Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. At Insight LA, we have um, a dedicated practitioner program going, and we start it every two years. I think I've been involved with that program for six, six years now. Um, currently, I mentor a small group in that program, and every month they get readings and homework, and of course, for six years, uh, they're asked to read this book, Parenting, by Ajahn Suchito. And this is um, free and downloadable. You can find this on the internet if you're interested in this book. And Paramis are called Divine Perfections, the qualities we need to cultivate, to stay on the path, and that help our practice. So the parami that they're on is called Renunciation. And I've shared on this many, many times in here before. Um, and the Pali word is um, Nikama, I believe. I hope I'm saying it correctly. It's very close to the Hebrew word Nishama. Nishama. Um, and I, I wrote out the question that they were asked to contemplate. So the reason why I'm talking to you today about this topic again is that the group dialogue was so exciting to me and helpful. And the contemplation for the week, and we kept emailing each other and having more ideas, and it was the collective contemplation that really made my practice a little deeper and opened the practice. So I wanted to bring it to our group in hopes that um, I could share this with you and you might feel that way too about just some of the questions and how we contemplate. And I find contemplation in practice to be really helpful, to have a question. Not have an answer, but to have a question. It's a live question that keeps popping up, popping up. So here it is. I wrote it out so that um, we'll discuss it in small groups so you can have it. Okay. So, um, so this is the parami of renunciation, the parami of letting go. We, we've done Dharma talks on this. So what does it feel like to let go? What is the felt sense when you let go? How does it feel in the mind, the heart, in the body, in the belly, right? How do you notice it? How do you know when you've let go? What happens? What happens? Um, what states of mind get in the way of letting go? Right? What gets in the way? It's a good question. How does wisdom support letting go? Right? How does your practice, how does your contemplation, how, does, how, do, how do you get supported in this? And I wrote the last one, I added one, how does practice support letting go? How does your practice itself <coughs> support letting go? So we'll come back to this. Right. So what do we let go of? What are we letting go of in our practice? Um, we're letting go of uh, desire, grasping, clinging, 
with the Buddha taught. And um, so many ways to let go. Objects, things we want, purchases, conspicuous consumerism. Right? I have a funny story about that. Maybe I'll tell you later. Um, being seen, wanting to be seen a certain way, wanting to be heard, wanting attention, not wanting to be seen, not wanting to be heard, not wanting attention, wanting to disappear into the wallpaper, as we say, right? Sense gratification at the sense door. Um, I want things to go my way, my ideas. I want everybody to vote the way I vote. And I really do. I'm not kidding. You know? <laughs> um, I, people acting how I want them to act around me, right? agreeing with me. I want the outcomes that I want and the conditions that I want. Right? Have I got most of the list going? <laughs> yes. Um, and all of this is natural. It's a natural thing. Part of mind is part of nature. And none of us are going to be ever free of it fully. Maybe we'll get enlightened to be free of it, but maybe not. Um, but it's a condition that we're born with. It's something we're born with and something we grapple with. And, and there's nothing wrong in it, inherently wrong or bad or evil. So the way the dialogue started um, that was interesting to me is one of the women gave a really sweet, simple example of being on retreat and uh, very hot, hot weather, hot, hot weather, and the air conditioning in her room wasn't working. And she was sweating it out in the night, right? And so she got really, really hot, really hot, and she decided that she'd go outside of her room and there were chairs outside of the room and she'd just sit and try to catch a breeze in the early morning and down out there. When she went outside to her room, she discovered the chair in front of her room was removed and there was nowhere to sit. Right. And she walked into the morning retreat, a whole day of practicing, of sitting, walking, sitting, walking with uh, agitation, resentment. Who stole my chair? Why did I get the room with the bad air conditioner? Why me? How is this going to affect my practice? I can't do it. You know, we've been there, right? And she said, during the retreat, she watched this tightness in her body and her heart and this narrative about me, this clenching, um, and how there was suffering around it and stress. And through the practice, through the sitting and walking and the Dharma talks and just being in that environment, she watched its release, its letting go. And her awareness, the awareness was present, and I thought was important about this observation was how um, she could feel the joy of the release, the sweetness, the sukha, as we say, of the release. That awareness noticed the change from attachment and clinging to things being her way to not the letting go of that, the, the, the dropping away. And so what we want to focus on today is the practicality of practice of just contemplating what is the felt sense of when we're clenching and creating stress, right? What's the felt sense of that? And how do you know it's there in your practice moment by moment? 
how do you feel it in your heart, in your mind, in your body, right? And what is it that facilitates letting go, and what does that feel like? There's a sutta about a senior monk, and I meant to bring it to read it to you, but it, it didn't find itself with me today. <laughs> so one day I'll have to come back with it. And uh, this senior monk, he was, a, he was a king, actually, and he renounced. He gave up being a king in his kingdom to become a devotee, to follow the Buddha. And um, he would meditate in his hut in the, in the forest under a tree, right? And um, he would mutter, oh, what bliss, oh, what bliss. Oh, what bliss. And there were other monks that would walk by his hut and they'd be like, what is he talking about? You know, what is he doing? And in their logic, they surmised that he was thinking about his kingdom, all the palaces he had, the great food, all the land, all the luxuries that he had. And in his reverie, he was going, what bliss, what bliss, all the abundance that he had. And so they went to the Buddha with this idea you know, about the senior monk. I can't remember his name. Anyway, I'll have to bring it and read it to you. And uh, so the Buddha got curious and brought him in and asked him, you know, there are monks that walk by your hut and they hear you saying, oh, what bliss, oh, what bliss. And he explained to the Buddha, you know, when I was a king, I had guards everywhere. Guards at the front gates, guards at the border, guards inside, guards at my door, guards, guards, protecting, protecting, worrying, hovering, protecting over my kingdom, my property, my land, my castles, my fields, you know, my army. And he said, I renounced. I let go. Right? I let go. And I, I let go. I released all of it. And now I sit under this tree and I meditate, I have a very simple life, and I practice. And there's bliss in this release, in this letting go, in having less, right? In abandoning it, in, in surrendering it. I find bliss, I find peace, I find ease. And so this is a teaching that is um, translatable to us, that a lot of times in this release and having less, in this letting go, there is some bliss and joy in the emptiness of it, in the nothing part. Right? And one of the things um, Ajahn Sichito says to do um, is to sometimes walk around uh, and remind yourself, do I really need this? Do I really need this? I, I put some of the things from his book so, so you have a little visual. And I, I have adopted that of when I shop, when I go places, I actually pick something up and go, do I really need this? And then I walk away to another aisle, like, and I do this, and I do a little walking meditation in Target in the store, and I go, do I really need this? Do I really? So a couple of weeks ago, I was shopping for an engagement gift at a store, Home Goods, I think it was. And I picked up this really pretty Lazy Susan thing, you know, and I picked it up, it was really pretty. And so I, do I really need this? So I put it down 
and I walk to an aisle and I start doing this walking meditation. What's in need? What's what, do I need this? Is this you know we don't need to buy into this consumerism and fill our homes up with clutter, right? And so the decision was kind of yes, you know. And when I walked around the aisle, there was a woman holding the platter, and, and I said to her, "I really need that." Wow. I, said, I just I was contemplating it. It was really mine, and I really do need it. I was clinging again, you know. And did she give it to you? She did. She said, and she said very nicely, she said, if you don't need it, find me, and I'll take it from you. Oh, wow. It was very wow. sweet. That's fine. So, uh, so did the Buddha and you give it to her? No. <laughs> I'll never lie to you. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> true story. So I want to talk about some of these practice issues in here. So one of the things that we want to point to is for you to talk about a little bit in your small group is just how do you know what's the felt sense in the moment when you're clinging to something. And this is, of course, a core teaching of Buddhist practice is that there is suffering, it's a natural phenomenon, it exists, there is stress, right? And some of the stress that we're experiencing is because of desire, grasping, clinging, we're clinging and we're holding tightly. So the practice question is, what does that feel like for you? Where do you feel it? How do you sense it? How do you know it? Sometimes for me it's like a burning feeling in my chest. I just feel this burning this tightening of the muscles, so this gripping of the mind. Um, so how is it for you? How do you know it's happening? Because that awareness practice is critical day to day. Well, sometimes we walk around in a fog of not knowing, or we walk around in delusion, and then we're acting in ways that hurt us even more, right? So what is the felt sense? Um, and then Seeing that this process is um, simply nature, that it's part of nature and not you. And I'll say a little more to that, and we'll, we'll do a little exercise. So let me see, I, I want to make sure that I read a little bit from Ajahn Suchito, because the book is really lovely, and I've brought it in before. So he says... Cultivating our spiritual potential gradually eliminates the sense of lack and thereby grants contentment and inner strength at no cost to oneself or other creatures. Um, it checks the tide of ignorance. We stop ignoring the evidence of dukkha or suffering of the clenching hand. And once we have learned the clarity, once there is an awareness, resolve in skills, from handling the pull of the senses, renunciation can go further. We can let go of attachments to status, our opinions, and even to who and how we assume we are. In the psychological domain, renunciation is in two stages, letting go and complete relinquishment. 
Letting go is the giving up of trying to be something, the giving up of holding on to some psychological ground as one's own, and this refers to the attachment of becoming in views. Complete relinquishment is the abandonment of the sense of self, of being any finite, coherent thing, subtle or gross, in terms of mind states of awareness itself. So, so I want to go back to um, some of the teaching points. So, Mark Nunberg is a uh, Vipassana teacher. Have you sat with him, Monique? Or you've no, listened? You listen, he's wonderful to listen to on Dharma Seed, and I will mangle his words, so please listen to his <laughs> talks. They're wonderful. Um, he talks about how, first, that desire and grasping is part of modern life. It's part of our world. If you have a home, a car, a family, a career, um, you know, if you're a mother, if you're a father, there's going to be desire and grasping and clinging. You have a, a work life, an income to look after. It's necessary. It's a condition that's necessary. Uh, and it's not that we can push it away or ignore it or this isn't the time necessary. We can go to the hut under the tree and meditate. What he talks about is how can we be in life with desire and grasping, clinging, this tendency to tighten around things? Um, how can we be doing with letting go? How can they coexist? How can we have and not have at the same time? How can we effort and not effort at the same time? Finding that middle ground and the balance. And when I was in the um, Hindu path, which was Kashmir, Shaivism, and Vedanta, we talked about um, taking a stance of not being the doer, like doing your Dharma job at the ashram, you know, but not being the doer. doer. And um, when I um, went on my last retreat, the group that hosted it, they took over a campsite. So they had to run a week-long retreat uh, maybe a handful of people, seven volunteers doing everything besides the cooking. And there was a lot to do, a lot to make it work, um, an enormous amount of work. And what they, their dialogue of the small group who was serving and volunteering a larger group of like 80 people, mm. um, they, they, their contemplation was, how can I relinquish my sense of self in running this camp? How could I relinquish my point of view, my wanting it to be my way, my name in this, my hand, my resentment when they did it different to how I wanted it, when I felt slighted? How can I let go of that to serve? And that was their contemplation for the week. And you could see the group calm down and open as the retreat went on. You could see the shift in their nervousness and anxiety about getting the pieces to work and then, you know, the retreat manager versus the, uh, the person who managed the rooms versus the person who did this, right? And they talked about their process at the end of letting go of their role while just allowing the role to evolve and not trying to control it. 
And I could watch that. I could track that, and I could see that. That, that, that effort to let go but hold the role. And that's something we can expi- aspire to in our practice of serving without attachment and allowing the unknown to come in, not to have an answer, to show up without your agenda, right? To show up without it. And to notice that when you're holding tightly to your agenda, there's suffering. An example of that for me was yesterday. We had our Saturday sit. And in that sit, a few of you have come. We practice for a long time before anybody talks. Over an hour. <laughs> you know? And it's a blessing and a joy to um, have some time for silence in this urban, busy world. Very sweet. But when new people come, right, and they've never done it before, I notice some clinging and attachment that starts to arise in this body-mind, where I have a desire for them not to suffer for an hour and ten minutes. Like, I want it to be good for them, you know, and the clinging happens in my body-mind. Like, I hope they don't run out the door, you know, right, right? I hope they're not agitated. I hope they're not frustrated. I hope they like it. You know, I hope they can see the value, you know, all. But it subtly moves from something wholesome. I want to share my practice in the Dharma and grow our Sangha in this and, you know, pay the rent, you know, just support the community to something that becomes clinging, attachment and clinging and stress. And I could feel it in my body. And once that gets set up, it's hard to let it go. It's hard to lose it. The stress is already there. So it's awareness, right? It's awareness of knowing through wisdom, through dialogue, through contemplation, through practice. We know over and over again the truth of the way things are, how we set up this stress, through even a wholesome desire. So the other... um, issue that that's a practice issue is uh, that and this is the most important piece and we'll do a um, we'll do a contemplation so um, imagine a hot day I want you to imagine a hot day very hot day a muggy day you don't have to go far right <laughs> and in your freezer at home is something cool and refreshing it might be ice cream, it might be a frozen fruit bar, maybe in your refrigerator there's some lovely uh, juice, cold juice that's cooling, maybe got tropical flavors, or an iced tea. And now imagine yourself walking towards the refrigerator and opening up the freezer or the refrigerator door on this very hot day. Anybody here have desire? Who, ha- who had desire? Who didn't? <laughs> no one. <laughs> right. So what I want to point out is that um, desire is conditioned. I created a condition for you to want. I created that. Right? And that's what happens to us all our life. Causes and conditions create desire. We don't have to take such big ownership. Your biology creates desire, right? We got to reproduce and we got to eat, right? We got to sleep and rest. 
uh, external conditions create desire, the media creates desire, as we know, right? Mm -hmm. Your family creates desire. They tell you, they give you so many rules about what it means to be a good person, they create desire. Right? I need to have this, this, and this, so mom, dad, uncles, aunts, and the whole community will think I'm okay, right? So a major teaching of the Buddha is that you are not your desire and you're not your mind that cause, causes and conditions shape you and it's nature. It's just nature occurring. You can take the I out of it. It's nature. So if you run out of here and eat ice cream for lunch, it's not my fault. <laughs> right? I may run out of here and eat ice cream for lunch. Um, yes? Oh, is there a time to ask, can I ask a question? Absolutely. Okay, this is, it always seems like it's perfect time of your talk. So I was away and I went to my base and I came back yesterday and you know the the agreement was um, I wasn't charging a a cleaning fee because so they would leave it the way I left it which was very clean and the first thing was I came back in it wasn't clean the way I I think clean should be and now also there's three things that I can't find. Um, I had very nice communication with the woman. I felt really good in my gut. I've had really great tenants. I've been lucky, like when I rented this place. And um, I'll do. I'll say it really fast. So it's like, oh, you know, really feeling that tight. Like, okay, where's my USB cable for my charger? That wasn't there. And like my sheets and and the little candle votive that I really like. Three things. Like within an hour, I can't find. So I'm writing to her, I said, I know you put some things away, you said you do that, um, where are they, you know, like, so back and forth about that, and just really feeling like, wow, I was looking forward to coming back to the order of my place, to the cleanliness of the place, and, you know, past tenants left it a certain way, so already I had that sort of expectation, and really, like, I suffered, and then I really grabbed it, saw it really saw what was happening and it's like well this is for hours like this is not peaceful mm. yourself you know and then also was like well how do I how do I um, communicate around this you know knowing I think I knew I was in this space um, anyway this is what I'm sort of grappling with. It's like, yes, there are certain situations that our expectations set us up for, but then also there's certain things that um, still seem to really um, go against like basic needs or I, I don't know. But yeah. of course then when I was able to, like today during the meditation it came up and I, there was a, the, I saw the, the relaxation, you know, around letting go and knowing like okay I'm safe and I'm fine and I'm well and these are things but there's still like this sense uh, yeah that's perfect and not, yeah still feel something like and I did communicate it to her said this doesn't feel great I came back I really value order in my place and I can't find a few things 
I'm not being accusatory. I just like what want to know like where to put the things and can you help me understand it? You know, something like that. Yeah, and and this is thank you for bringing that yeah. up because we'll address that. I'm going to address that next. So, so it's good timing. Yeah, it is good timing <laughs> for that. And all of us would feel that way, Dawn. Right? We would. We have somebody stay in our home, we come back and they didn't follow our rules and things are missing and our, our stuff, it's not respected. We don't feel that way. This is not, like, again, natural, it's nature. Mm -hmm. So um, I want to finish this thought and then we'll go to yours, which is um, from uh, Saidao Utejaniya. The mind is an aspect of nature, not I, not self, no person. The mind is natural phenomenon. Only when you have this right idea, then you can truly be aware. You are practicing awareness to find out about this nature. While you may not understand or realize the right view at first, you can relate to everything that happens with this right view. You can also think through with the information you have now. So, so again, we have to remember and work through this piece that Mind is nature. Causes and conditions are nature. Desire is nature. The body is nature. The needs of the body is nature. The society, the way it projects onto us, is nature. It's all nature, and we don't have to hold it and grip it as an I so intently. And this is what we're practicing with, right? And even our practice itself. And we've used the... Um, example in here of the avocado tree, right? Some of you have heard my avocado tree. I have an avocado tree over my bedroom roof. It's right over the bedroom roof. Brilliant. So there are certain times of the year at two in the morning, the tree decides to drop the fruit, right? And then it clunk, I wake up at two in the morning, right? And sometimes it's a few of them, one, one, you know, like that. But it always is a contemplation whenever that happens. What made the tree let go of the fruit? <laughs> right? And the answer is nature. The conditions were there to let go. Like our practice, the tree got water and it got sun and it gets love. We love the tree. you know. Um, so the conditions were right, which is our practice are the conditions. The tree is getting the nutrients, the nutrients, it's got its roots down into the whatever, the sewer and the soil must be good. We get great avocados. And the conditions were right, and it let go. But nobody knew the time or place that we let go. So there's, even our letting go is nature. It's not us that lets go. It's wisdom that lets go. It's our practice that lets go, right? It's, it's just, it's the work of our practice that somehow that moment, like the avocado, it lets go. We don't let go. It's not an I, right? It's the conditions are right within our mind, within our body-mind, to that moment, letting go. So speaking to what Don was talking about, um, he addresses that in here. And let's see if I can find it. Yeah, he says, um, Being willing to acknowledge and meet the floods of desire, want, and grasping takes great heart. Ajahn Chah said that being a monk, and for us we're kind of householder types, but 
we have similar conditions, um, is knowing about letting go, but being able to do so for 90% of the time. Just seeing that certainty crunches the ego. However, the truthfulness, there, there's a necessary um, development. You can start to come more from the heart. The sense that works in terms of relating to the experience rather than fixing in it and organizing it and making yourself into what you think you should be. So as we witness the limitations of knowing Dharma or Dhamma through our ideas, we grow in the emotional strength and capacity to relate to it. We come to a more measured, patient, compassionate approach, and we don't get hung up on being or not being something in some way. Then we can be with the grasping in a clear but non-judgmental way. For purity, you have to transcend rather than repress. You have to know the pull of pleasure, feel it, and relax it. You have to get to the sense of how attraction works and how to release that energy or aversion by referring to the awareness of it. This is a heart inclination rather than a technique. And awareness is brought to the fore through patience and kindness with ourselves. So you give up the idea of who you are and how things should be but instead breathe patience and kindness into the grasping and the agitation. Right? So we don't have to be with it. You can be annoyed, disappointed, upset, violated, whatever it is. And sometimes we just have to be with that. And then like the tree, it lets go of us because we're compassionate and patient with it. It lets go of us. And for me, sometimes it's after ice cream. So. <laughs> I had to add that because it's true, you know, right? So you don't have to be the perfect Buddhist. You don't have to strive in your practice. You don't have to um, walk around renouncing everything, <laughs> right? We just have to hold the practice gently and allow awareness to be present, to come together and contemplate the Dharma, get reminded we wake up a little, and then this release releases itself. It's a non-doing principle. It releases us. We don't release it. And then we get a little peace. All right. So that is the talk. And... Would you like to break up into little groups and contemplate that? Yeah, so let's do that. Let's have you break up into groups. We don't have a whole lot of time for it, but find three or four people. And um, the questions are here if anybody wants them. And, um, and here are some practice questions. Do I really need this? How good do you have to be to be at peace with yourself? <laughs> but it, this is here if you need tutorial. Tutorial. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So who would like to share on this? What came up for you? I know you were all talking. I heard it. Yes. Um, I heard a talk about renunciation um, and... One of the things I took away from it was 
you know, there's sort of the definition of renunciation, like monks renounce material goods and wealth and things like that, and there's like an active pushing of a category of things out of your life, and then there's the experience of renunciation, the experience of, of letting go of any particular clinging or desire, um, and I kind of like our culture is not at all about that former type of renunciation. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I like to contemplate that sometimes and look for places in my life. Um, Casey once gave a talk where he said, like, when you look at things in your life, you say, does this create love? And mm -hmm. I like to look for things where I'm like, that doesn't create love. Like, you know, like, maybe like it's a, a reality TV show that like, I think I'm relaxing when I watch it, but I find that instead I'm typing on it. I say, oh, okay, that, that goes, I can put that in the like renounce category. <laughs> like I can just not even, and so I look for things to actively renounce and I find that I am freer, like on average overall by looking out for those things. Great. So I want to bring that, nice. that definition of renunciation. Thank you. Nice. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yes. Hi, uh, everybody. So I guess I was just thinking about letting go and sort of it's like it's it's enemy of um, control, like or a, the illusion of control, which I've had to really look at over you know control over me, people, places, things, and thinking I have control. Um, when I don't really have control, but I have, um, I do have choices in my the footwork that I do and the behavior that I that I take. But what I constantly have to let go of is any like attachment to outcome, so that everything that I'm doing, if I'm doing it somewhat, hopefully consciously, not everything gets done consciously, obviously, but more and more with that awareness of it will you know will this will will this be a helpful action will this be a, a wholesome action will it bring will it more likely bring an outcome that i won't have remorse over and won't need to like you know like the um the gift of blamelessness right where i won't be making amends all the time right because i always have like talkers remorse you know <laughs> so <laughs> how this is supposed to come out, kind of like what I really can relate, what you were saying about, like, ah, here's a new student, oh, I'm going to scare the heck out of them. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden it becomes my role to, like, be in charge of their experience. Mm -hmm. yes. Very good, yeah. Right, and that I don't have control over that yet. I do want to be thoughtful and prepared and, you know, so... I, I just wanted to name that and offer that about the outcome that helps nice. me. Thank you. It's great. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Yes? Um, an interesting uh, point that came up was uh, um, I'm sure we've all, I'm sure this is a very relatable moment, but um, when you sort of are in this moment of contemplation and then you remember a past fault, like even though it's been years, you suddenly recall that and 
immediately sort of start to regret yourself and hold on to that and like have that same pastor kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. And so we got into um, discussion of why that is and um, I mentioned that um, there's sort of a progress that you have to do in letting go of something. You have to sort of hold on to it in a way like before you can let it go. You have to look at it analyze, and analyze it and sort of accept that this moment has happened and that there's only nothing that you can really do about it or if there is anything that you can do about it then do it you know I mean, and that like because like when you do let go it's sort of like forgetting you know i mean and like when you finally like do that then you can just sort of let it fade into your memories and like sort of let it go but if you don't like acknowledge it then you'll inevitably you could forget it and you could like pass on and like just go on in your your business but then it'll inevitably come back to bite you again you know? good point and you know the thing that we say is <clears throat> we don't repression is not letting go no. and ignoring is not letting go and hiding and ducking is not letting go and these are the subtleties of our, our practice. So thank you for bringing that up. Very good point. Beautiful. Yes. We were talking about uh, the first question, how does it feel like to let go? How do you notice it? And um, I always relate to the story about when I divorced my kids who were about um, seven or eight. And my husband basically, all the baby pictures, the baby, everything, everything disappeared. Wow. It's a lot of personal stuff and I never, never got them back. I don't know what happened to them. He denied that he had them or anything. So it took me, you know, for years and years, I would think about it and all oh, the anger and the, you know, I, I just told him I got a court order to be able to search his house. <laughs> wow. I actually tried to find them. I mean, it was crazy. So, but, you know, it's been, you know, almost 20 years now, right, since we've divorced. And we're talking about how time, you know, just the time, you know, and, and, and you know, thinking and meditating, whatever, but realizing that, I, I had to let it kind of percolate through and get through that anger. Now when I think about it, I'm a little sad, but I don't think about my ex-husband the same way. I mean, I'm not like wanting to kill him or anything like that. And, and I still have, you know, I, I recognize the job the children, I have all the new memories, I have the old memories, I have, you know, and it's, it's okay, you know. I mean, my life is still good, even without that. So I noticed it because I didn't have that anger. <laughs> Great. Beautiful. Yeah, good, good example. Um, one of the things he says in the book, if you had to run out of your home and just carry certain things on your back, what would they be? And I thought of that with the fires. Like if you, they said your house, uh, you're evacuating. And I looked around my house and said, what would I grab and why? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's really interesting because I think there's guidance of what you should grab, like your passport, uh -huh. like your passwords. Does that what come? Does that what comes to mind? No. And, no. My <laughs> cat. What would you take? Yeah. Nobody. So I think there's a there's an interesting. I think that question brings up all of the the emotion that resides in all the stuff in your house, and I don't I don't have a ton of emotion. For my passport. <laughs> like Good point. So the emotions right. are what, right. you know, yeah. flood yeah. when you think of these things, you know. But the, the fire department would tell you to take your passport. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that what you said about the emotions will flood. 
That's what we're referring to, the floods that arise up in our consciousness that overwhelm us. And, okay. Is there another one? These are precious. They're so good. Greedy, greedy, getting greedy. <laughs> yes? Um, I, I just think it's the uh, wiring inside me, maybe others, that the meditation is helping me unwind and I can look at the story and kind of know that there are other elements. There's a feeling here, and what is that feeling? So if I can, it's complicated, but I am uh, grateful that uh, meditation has allowed me more, more, I'm more able to see the complexity and to actually attend in different ways. So when I'm looking at, oh, this is excitement, this is I have to do something, oh, wow, that's where it sits. Or this is worry, oh yeah, that's really old, I know that one really well. And then when I'm like in the awareness of like, you know, attending, boy, that story went way far away. And, and, then, and then how do I know because there's a relief as soon as it leaves, and it leaves just like that. I'm working on it. Beautiful, thank you. Thank you, that was great. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.